0: Folks, welcome back to another Scanline Media Gimmick Award. We're here to talk about the best add-on from 2020. I'm Six Detmar.
1: I'm Jennifer Unkle. I'm Kyrie A. Page.
0: Ah, uh, and in case you aren't aware, in case this is your first time, your first category, the Gimmick Awards is, of course, our Game of the Year celebration, discussion, debate, all that jazz rolled into one. We have a list of nominees. We are going to whittle it down to one winner, but the number of runners-up can vary based on what we feel is appropriate. And for best add-on, Jen, can you read our list of nominees, please?
2: Sure thing. So we have the Crown Tundra from Pokemon Sword and Shield, Hades 1.0, Journey's End from Terraria, Furious Wilds from Total War, A World Betrayed also from Total War, The Mistwoods update, for Dota Two, Virgil from Devil May Cry Five, the World Maker update in Super Mario Maker Two, and rollback netcode in Guilty Gear XX Accent Core Plus R. <laughs> yes, Plus R.
0: So quite a quite a, a stacked roster. Really, really all killer, no filler here. Uh, for instance, I could have had Isle of Armor from Sword and Shield. It would have just been immediately cut, so I didn't put it on here.
1: <laughs> yeah, so tell tell us a little bit about the Crown Tundra.
0: The Crown Tundra oh. is actually really good. Um, the Crown Tundra is, as you might guess by the name, it is sort of like a frozen, uh, like snowy wasteland to the south of the Galar region, uh, where you can find uh, some more Regis, you can find uh, some new Legendaries, you can find some special forms of the uh, bird Pokemon, the Trio, uh, Articuno, uh, Zapdos, and Moltres, Galarian forms of them, um, and a bunch of old Pokemon return. The main thing, however, is just that it's all presented well. The thing about the Isle of Armor that was so disappointing was that there was a central, uh, like, campaign, basically, that took you, like, an hour. And then it was like, okay, wander around and just catch Pokemon that you've caught in the past 30 games. Um, Which was not super awesome. Um What Crown Tundra does is, one, it has multiple quest lines. Two, it has some great designs. And three, the biggest addition, I think, is the... uh I think they're called Max Den Raids. So, you already had in Base Sword and Shield D Max Raids, where you're fighting a big version of a Pokemon, right? Right. This is basically a series of them, where you're going into a cave that has lots of those, and you are going down, like, you pick your fights. You can see only their type and, like, a silhouette. And you're like, okay, let's go this way with your friends, and you go down. Um, There are a couple of great things about this. One, you don't bring in your Pokemon. You rent from a roster of Pokemon, which means that you can show up at level 100 or level one. It does not make a difference because you're just renting Pokemon. Two, you can choose to catch Pokemon or not. Whatever you catch at the end of your of your journey, you can pick, you can keep one Interesting. including including your rental, I believe. And then also, as you go, if you catch someone, you can swap them out. So let's say you go in with, let uh, you go in with a Pikachu, and your first fight is against a Squirtle, and you beat the Squirtle and you catch the Squirtle, you can, and you're like the next fight is going to be against a Fire type. You can then swap to the Squirtle. You can't swap back to the Pikachu thereafter. But then after you beat the Fire type, you can swap to that if you want, or you could keep rolling with your Squirtle.
1: Interesting.
0: Um, and then also at the end, if you make it to the end of any, like, cave, it's pretty much always a, a pretty rare Legendary. I think the first one you do is, like, Suicune. You can get Lugia that way. You can get, you know, Jiraiya. You can get, all, like, all the rarest Pokemon in the game.
1: So they made uh, Legendary, so they made the catch, like, the catching of legendaries interesting again. and like...
0: yeah. And they, they came up with... They finally came up with a co-op mode for Pokemon that's actually fun and interesting. Which is a pretty big deal.
1: That's pretty cool.
2: There's co-op?
0: Yes. Yes, it's... Yeah. There always was.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> were, you not, were you not paying Jen, just waking to... up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I played Sword and Shield... Purely as a single-player game.
0: Yeah, those those times where you fought the really big guys, you could have called in a friend.
2: Oh, I, I didn't really fight the really big guys for the most part. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just
1: saw that you were, like, you hadn't been paying attention to what Six was talking about for the past two minutes. No, <laughs> I,
2: I was paying attention. Like, the whole swapping <laughs> mechanic sounds cool. I've just... I just never bothered with the co op. Like, it might as well have not existed to me. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I in, forgot In Gen's defense,
0: existed. they've always had, it's Nintendo, they've always had terrible multiplayer infrastructure. It is, it is, I, 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 I it is, I can see how this could have happened. Thank you. Um. <sighs> Probably we're only going to keep one of our two uh, Total War Three Kingdoms uh, DLCs, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, which one do you feel like what could you give us like a little description about what these are?
0: So here's the here's the bummer thing, right? I think both of these are great. Um, The Furious Wilds DLC is the one that adds the uh, nonmon people um, who are the um, the. Uh, Native population to the sort of southwest of China. There is a section of the uh, Three Kingdoms book where, um, of course, everybody's favorite (laughs) fucking guy. (laughs) Uh, Oh, no, now I can't think of his name. What's wrong with me?
1: (laughs) everybody's favorite don't, guy
0: don't don't i I'll, I'll i will i will get this i will is get it cow,
1: this is a cat is a
0: cow p <laughs> mm, cow, sao p who gives a shit about Cao p no um kong ming god yeah, damn kong ming. um I gotta, I gotta leave all that in I gotta shame myself um, there's a there's a couple of chapters of, of the book where uh, Kong Ming sort of goes down to this area and is like he's going to suppress the natives right and this it's this huge straw man section of the book that is about like I mean like the um, like the leader of the of the natives His name literally translates to captured because he gets captured over and over. It's complete bullshit, right? It's pure propaganda. But the descriptions of, like, the way these people fight, because there's so little basis in fact, it's so much fantasy, that the book actually kind of goes off the deep end, and you've got like people who have like sp- like special impenetrable armor, but it's vulnerable to flames. So Kongming invents flamethrowers, and oh no, they're riding elephants, and these guys are archers who have like tiger pets that obey their orders. And when you translate that shit into a strategy game, it's fucking
2: sick. <laughs> yeah, that that certainly seems like it. <laughs>
0: It's also really satisfying just to play as the non-mon who are, I think, fairly well, you know, obviously, I never knew them, right? But I appreciate the characterization of them as being like, fuck these fucking empires, we're the natives, this is our land, get the fuck out. Um, and playing those people and leading them to victory is really fun. Um, Lady Jurong owns. However, though they put the most effort into that, I think the real star is a world betrayed, um, which is an alternate start point for, for Total War Three Kingdoms. It starts a little ways into the timeline, um, and it gives you a couple of unique factions, and mostly I'm here to shout out the Lubu faction, which is the coolest faction I've ever played in a strategy game. Bu is the greatest warrior in all of China. He's also the biggest fucking moron in all of China. (laughs) And mechanically, this is represented in so many great ways. First of all, he's like impossible to beat in fights. I have had fights where the game was like, you can't possibly win this, right? Like you were outnumbered like 10 to 1. And I just was like, okay, everybody hang back. Lu Bu go in there and just fuck shit up for 10 minutes. And then I'll send the army in and I won the fight. Um, it's amazing how quickly a fu- a, an army will rout if Lu Bu just walks up and murders every general. And so he's really fun to play in that sense. But as he like does better and better, he acts more and more arrogant, and everyone underneath him hates him. He's also a really bad administrator, so you start wasting more and more money. Um, he has a mechanic where he has like a hit list of like people he wants to best in combat. And if you best them, you get special bonuses and he gets even stronger. But like this is not excluded to this is like all the great warriors of China, including ones that work for you. And so, like, when you're commanding your own generals, sometimes there'll be this pop-up that's like, you know, if this guy were to betray you, you could kick his ass and get a buff. Like, it puts you in the mindset of this, like, roided-up moron in such a delightful way.
2: Just uh, constantly looking for a fight, even if it doesn't advantage you.
0: Totally. I got to, um, also you can, you have options to play way more dishonorably. You can like break more treaties and stuff when playing as Lubu because he just did that. He His word was worth shit. Um, <laughs> and the two campaigns I played as him where I got far, both times I got far enough to declare myself uh, emperor, right? Which is... Like pretty much the last stage of the game, is it like it it turns into you know the three kingdoms as it were, um, whatever the three kingdoms happen to be there. And every single time, I have been such a piece of shit along the way that like I've managed to hold together tenuous alliances and get this huge military power. And the moment I declare myself emperor, the entire map goes, motherfucker, you are such a piece of shit. You do not get to call yourself emperor. And the entire <laughs> world marches to my door and murders me. <laughs> It's so good!
2: I love that. <laughs> have you ever beaten a campaign with him?
0: With Lubu? No. And he's the only person I've ever, like, anybody else, if I put in the time, I can do it. With Bu so far, I still have not managed to, which I still want to try again, because he just has so much, like, the stronger he gets, the more his own systems of, like, of, like government and management work against him in a way that's so fascinating. I, I when I, pl- I play more of this soon, when we're done with these awards and I no longer have to worry about the things I should be playing for coverage, when I finally beat Shenmue 2, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going back to Lebe. It's
2: It's almost like, the way that you describe it, it's, it's almost like the world around him is acting like a poetic story in terms of like, okay, this person is getting too strong, so narratively, what would make the most sense if everyone just fucking hated him? But that's just how his life ends up bending every single time.
0: But it's also one of these things where it totally, like, everyone... It makes total sense from everyone's perspective, right? Where, like... You're fine with this guy. Like, he's he's your most powerful ally. He's doing all this stuff. He's like, you're like, okay, he's painting a target on his back, which is great. If you're another faction, that's great for me. If I'm allied with him, he'll probably betray me, but it'll take him a while. And in the meantime, he'll fight the same people as me, and that's useful. But the moment he stands up and says, king me, you're like, okay, get fucked, man. <laughs> 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 uh yeah, the, it, it I would I think it will probably I, I would push for it to win this category but I'm getting ahead of myself. We have a lot more to talk about.
1: Yeah, we do. Um
2: Let's see. Uh,
0: just real quick I'm gonna eliminate the Woods update that is the latest big update for Dota 2. Um, it adds a new hero, uh, Hoodwink it adds a bunch of new items it adds a bunch of rebalancing, it adds a whole ton of stuff and I think it's a very good patch for Dota 2. Um However, I think, one, based on the fact that no one else here plays Dota 2, and also the fact that Dota 2 is, is pretty long in the tooth by now, I don't think it's going to be a, a top contender.
1: Okay. I'm glad for Dota 2 continuing to exist and getting good content. Because Dota is impenetrable to me.
0: <laughs> we could get you inside if you wanted. You might, I you think don't. I am
1: I'm real, you know what? I think I'm good. I don't think yeah. no,
0: I don't think you're very good at Dota at all, Kyrie. I'm sorry. maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe that's not very tactful. Well, I think I've you're won, actually I'm, probably pretty bad at Dota. I
1: won one CPU match, therefore my record is one hundred and I'm going out on top.
0: Damn. Bested by logic.
2: Yep. Hey, Kyrie, since most of the items on this list are from 6, do you want to talk about Rollback (laughs) Netcode?
1: I would love to talk about Rollback Netcode. So, Rollback Netcode is a process that is... Oh, I can't go on with this bit, because uh, the the mechanics of Rollback Netcode, to me, are still a little arcane but it basically makes your fighting game play good online. And there has been this trend recently uh, that kind of started with um, Guilty Gear um, X, uh, X2 um, Accent Core Plus R to add Rollback Netcode to an already established Steam release of the game. Um, I think it's an excellent add-on. One, it's free. It was had a pretty long beta period, But even in the beta, it was still really good. Like I was even able to participate in a tournament uh, for it. I didn't do very well, but hey, I still had a lot of fun and I didn't feel like the netcode was the thing that was holding me back. Um, Basically, it is a way to make your game relevant again because in the decade that was 2020, you needed to have good online and you have to have well-implemented rollback netcode. There have been games that have implemented rollback netcode extremely well. Killer Instinct, the 2013 release, has amazing rollback netcode. But this is like the first time in a recent trend of like applying it to an older game. And I want more older games to get this treatment because it just injects new life into an established game. Like it just it just makes your game play better and it like the numbers for Guilty Gear X uh, X2, Accent Core Plus R like multiplied tenfold when they announced the rollback release. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, people are in people want to play with good net code.
0: It it's just an essential piece of like I, I am going to go out on I don't know how it will do here because as far as an update, it's not there's not that much to it. Right. It's new netcode. Um, but as far as like what it means for the industry, um, for a game that wasn't like that was out of the public consciousness for the most part to like have this update adding the net code that makes it viable again in a modern environment, especially with everything that's going on with the, with the quarantines and, and, and lockdowns and all this shit. Um, it is, it is like, a, a, like it is worth promoting it because this needs to happen all over the FGC. And I, this needs to be the tip of a spear.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you are already seeing the effects of, um, like this sort of movement, like uh, kill, um, King of Fighters 15, got announced, and in their teaser trailer, they announced rollback netcode. Like mm-hmm. it is becoming a very important selling point, and I think even the director of um, Dragon Ball Fighter Z has said that they are working on it
0: for yeah. their game. And it's amazing for. Um for king of fighters because if you only go back two entries to king of fighters 13 it had nightmarish netcode oh it was the worst you couldn't play it it's a great game but like if if it had like basically if the game lagged at all it would just kick you out of the lobby immediately the game would immediately end
1: yeah it was a nightmare um and i think i want like I think it's particularly advantageous for older games to add this uh, like implementation because the cost for development doesn't seem to be that high and it just increases like interest in your game, no matter how old it is. Like Mm -hmm. it's, but it is really good to hear that newer fighting games are being developed with this in mind, like guilty gear strive. Um, they announced like mid mid development that they were switching to a rollback netcode solution. Like I th- for their first beta, it was uh, input it was like an input delay netcode, but mm-hmm. after seeing the reaction to adding rollback to um, plus R, they basically said no we we are going to take this very seriously, and I think if you if your fighting game wants to survive in twenty twenty one and beyond. You gotta have this in some way, shape, or form until like a better netcode somehow gets developed.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I'll go ahead and eliminate Virgil here. Um, it's it's tricky because I think a lot of the additions made to DMC Five are in DMC Five Special Edition, which I don't think counts as an add-on. It's a re-release. You can't get most of its content in the base game because it's using features of the new console. Um it's understandable. It's a bunch of stuff where like you can make it run at uh 20% faster overall. You can make it run at 120 frames per second. You can make it have just hordes of fucking enemies on screen which almost turns it into a Musou game. Um but none of that works on on the um on PS4 and Xbox 1. All that works for there is Virgil and as cool as he is, I don't think he's going to hang in the in the top here.
2: Yeah. I should mention I have played a smidge of that uh, special edition, and that game at 120 frames per second is incredible. Like, it's just like nothing else I've ever seen. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see where they take that stuff from there. If Assuming that everyone doesn't immediately max out all the graphics settings, and every, 60 is once again the... Um, Max that everyone pushes it to.
0: I mean, honestly, even then, as long as people are hitting 60, that'll be such a step up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, seriously. Considering like how the Xbox One and PS4 like games ran would often like not even hit 30 sometimes.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like God. that
1: like that has been like the more exciting thing about these new consoles. It's like, oh finally these older
2: games are gonna run at decent frame rates. Uh oh, the 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 way the last guardian ran was such a disappointment. <laughs> it's a great game, it's just like oh this is this runs maybe slightly worse than Shadow the Colossus did back on the PS2 and that ran I don't
1: know like, Shadow of um, the Colossus it's... on PS2 would hit like 12 to 15 frames per second. It was rough. <laughs> I love that game to death, but like Playing at a higher frame rate is much preferred.
2: Yeah, I was just saying Blast Guardian hits frame rates to that degree sometimes. That's a bummer. Great, perfect. Maybe that actually makes it better. Who knows?
1: Uh, T. Maiko, what are you doing? um, Not much these days. (laughs) Not much these days. Oh, they had an announcement recently. Did they? Must yeah, they it. did. Like, I think they're going to announce something this year.
2: I thought the big announcement from Japan Studios that almost everyone left and went to form their own thing. I don't know.
1: Well, listen, you're more clued in than I am, but I don't know. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. What is here is Hades 1.0. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> Which. So I didn't like. I didn't play a lot of Hades throughout the different patches, but what did the 1.0 release bring to the table?
0: I mean, it... so first of all, the ending mm-hmm. and the post-game stuff. Um, it added, I think, it added a few new uh, weapon aspects. It added some new dialogue. It added new portraits for a few people. Um, Honestly, I don't think it wins. Yeah. But that's just because Hades was already so fucking good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, Hades was already excellent, like, pre-patches, and 1.0 was just, like, them putting the nice little bow on the whole package.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it necessarily fits the spirit of the category to be like, oh, they finished the game.
0: I mean, I don't know that that's fair to say, right? I don't think, like... Narratively, there was no ending, but it's not like playing... Like, we gave Hades Game of the Year last year before it was 1.0, right? We were having what we felt like was a complete experience. Um, It's more just like that the additions, while good, like just aren't as significant as some of the other additions here. Right. Um, and speaking of which, I will I will vouch for Journey's End, which I think probably no one else played. It is, it is the last update for uh, Terraria, they're saying um which they've said before <laughs> they keep having last updates um because uh development on the Terraria sequel is has been has been bumpy um and the thing is Terraria is is I think a really great crafting game. I think it's amazing. I've talked before on podcasts about how it is this game where you keep thinking you understand what Terraria is and it keeps expanding the definition of what the game is with new things, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that Journeys End adds, I mean, it adds, you know, like new events and new bosses and new items, and those are all good. The real thing, however, is it adds a mode called the Journey, called Journey Mode. Where you can, it's such a, it's, it's, I think it is the most genius addition to any one of these like crafting games ever. So, Minecraft has, you know, survival mode and creative mode. And creative mode, you have unlimited resources, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In Terraria's journey mode, let's say you get a block of sand, and there's an option on your menu that says research, and it says, hey, get 99 blocks of sand and you get 99 blocks of sand and you put it into research and says okay since you've done this 99 times now it's unlimited oh okay and the number depends on the item right it's not 99 of everything if an item is really hard to get it could be like two or like for some items like uh you'll get items like there you get a pair of uh, like an item that gives you a double jump You only need one of those to be able to instantly duplicate it. So if you find it, you don't have to be like, hey, I'll get it, but my friend won't. You're just like, okay, let me just clone this and give you a copy. Um, And so it creates this thing where you are always making forward progress. It, It cuts out most of the grinding, but doesn't feel cheap. You still feel like you're having that, pardon me, journey. Um, But you miss, you lose the part where you're like, okay, I need to go back and fucking mine some more, you know, like, quartz. I've already mined 400 things of quartz, but I guess I still need some more for this building. The part that doesn't really add anything to the game.
2: Yeah, I think you've described this to me before, but it's still incredibly awesome.
0: It's such a brilliant addition to the game. Um, I tried to run a server for this, and at the time, the server stuff for it was kind of borked. Um, hopefully, I don't know. Maybe maybe in twenty twenty one. Maybe maybe this year I'll be able to to get it working, and we can all join a server and go on a journey.
1: Yeah, I might I might check that out. Uh, like crafting games really aren't my thing. Like like Minecraft as a game just sort of like intimidates me to a certain degree. Um, and so does Terraria. But if he's saying that there is like a more focused mode, like I could get into that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, I feel like at this point I need to eliminate crown Tundra.
1: Okay. That's fair. Yeah.
0: It, it's really good, but there's some there's it, it, we have some very strong contenders on here. Yes. Um, um
1: how strong would you say the world maker update for Super Mario Maker 2 is?
0: I don't know. I don't know because it was too late. Yeah. Like if you look at what this adds It adds new enemies. It adds new power-ups. Some of the, like, one of the new power-ups lets you, like, turns the game into Super Mario Bros. 2, like, picking up and throwing items. Um, It adds, like, the worlds, obviously, where you can create, like, a coherent world linking levels together. Um, It adds a bunch of stuff, but it's just too late.
1: Yeah, like, for some reason, like, for some reason, I feel like Super Mario Maker 1 was just a stronger game, and I can't put my finger on it as to why. Could it have really been just how well implemented the touchscreen stuff was?
2: I think it's a combination of a uh, screen and also just... Uh, in 2020, I feel like we're all more aware of the kind of company Nintendo is, and... How playing within their sandbox is always gonna be an incredibly limited experience where they can just delete your levels uh on a whim even if they don't run afoul of any of their um any of their guidelines or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They pick and uh, they basically pick and choose elements from fan games after they've ceased and desisted them um, there's just this ephemerality to the game where it's like okay um you're basically leasing some time to play with this tool and eventually nintendo's just gonna shut it down and take out of take the server stuff out
0: you know i was getting ready to disagree with you but like i did have moments where i was like hey i should publish more levels and i'm like what if they just arbitrarily decide to delete them like i've done to other people and i was like yeah never mind yeah which is a shame because Super Mario Maker
1: is a fun little game.
0: It's a fun big game. It's a fun big
1: game. It's so big they made two of them.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, so nice they made it. Once. Um yeah, I uh I think if you you have to consider it in context and in context I don't think it makes the cut.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: same. I will say that uh, I did play some pretty cool worlds in 2020. Like um it's- um uh, blanking on the name, but there's a person on the abnormal mapping servers who uh made an entire world that was like br- from beginning to end, just brilliantly paced. And this is uh James Tarr? So- yeah, James Tarr.
0: Yeah, shout outs to James Tarr. Great Mario Maker creator.
2: Yeah. Their world? Incredible. But uh yeah. It's it's one of the situations where I wish it was a platform that gave people the confidence that what they create will end up sticking there as long as it's not actively hateful or some shit. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I get that.
1: I guess it, it really just encouraged people to find, like, what is the name of that Super Mario ROM hack tool? I think it's called Luna something. I have no idea. I I think it's just encouraged people to be like, hey, there's a whole community of Kaizo hacking that people have done Mm. and that stuff is a little bit more stable
0: yeah that's fair i think uh i think you're well but then that stuff's just gonna get like (laughs) get a takedown notice from nintendo because they're such insufferable little shitheads yep
2: Uh, true not your wacky uncle (laughs) true though um AM2R still has a bit of life to it even after Nintendo has uh, done their best to hide it away from the internet.
0: Oh yeah, I've got a copy of AM2R. That game is uh, better than the Metroid 2 remake they made. By a lot. Mm-hmm. That game sucks. Um, <laughs> so God, that is, remake's so bad! So,
1: is this list a world betrayed at the top with Runners Up, Journey's End, and Rollback net code? I think so. Cuz World Betrayed sounds fascinating. And I don't really play total war games, but you saying that like there's mechanical shit that happens to Lubu like as you play, as you play this like I I've only known Lubu as like you do not pursue.
0: <laughs> mhm. But uh and here here's here's a great thing. There's a whole other faction that I haven't even talked about. The Sunsei faction is also in this. And Sunsei is also a really sick, like, th- the the theme of A World Betrayed is about, like, being a, a, a precocious little shit trying to one-up your parents, which is a great theme. Uh-huh. And uh, Sunsei also, play- Sunse also plays into that in a really fantastic way, where he has a bunch of, like ambitions about what he wants to do and, like, um, he's has mechanics that encourage him to be ambitious, but if he builds his ambition meter too high, he just fucking dies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's great.
2: <laughs> yeah. The, the thing that makes Total War Three Kingdoms so amazing is they took a beloved piece of, uh, literature that also happens to be a historical document in a few ways, and, uh, it does best it does it does better by those characters than so much of the other media around them like much love to dynasty warriors those games are awesome but uh there's just something about the way that they like gamify certain certain bits of these characters personalities um and that somehow comes through in a way that's both satisfying and in some cases ch- challenging and uh There's not really anything I can think of off the top of my head that takes a piece of classic literature like that and uh, so eloquently translates what they're all about into actual systems.
1: No, that that sounds like Total War: World Betrayed is our winner of best add-on for this year.
0: To me, yeah, I I agree. Our, our winner, Total War, Three Kingdoms, a world-betrayed DLC with Runners-Up, Terraria, Journey's End Update, and Guilty Gear, XX, Accent Core, plus our rollback netcode. More games need rollback netcode. More games need rollback netcode. It, it made it into the top based on that fact that yeah. it needs to happen more often.
1: It needs to happen more often. If they put... If... Hey... Capcom you want to get a bunch of goodwill back like instantly add rollback netcode to Ultra Street Fighter 4
0: that's a good game
1: yeah that's a great game
0: you want to get I guess a little bit of goodwill added Street Fighter 5 you'll make like three people happy
1: <laughs> add, it, add better rollback <laughs> because the fucked up thing about Street Fighter 5 is that it technically has rollback netcode but it's so poorly implemented that you couldn't tell
0: Ugh, ugh, it's ugh.
1: really bad. The teleporting is like, uh, just mm. guilty gear. Well, guilty Gear XX Accent, Accent Core Plus R though plays great. Online. Order Soul. Look Order him up. Soul. Order Soul. Look them up. The man, the legend. Order Soul
0: on Amazon. <laughs> Delivered next day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you everyone for for listening. Thank you to our nominees. Thank you to our winners. And thank you to you because I'm pretty sure we'll be seeing you next time. Peace out.
1: See ya. Later.